Welcome everyone to this episode of CBT Talks. Today we are going to be discussing, dissecting, uh, diving into, unpacking who is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. Mm. The story of the Bible works, Jake, so CBT CBT Talks. That's right, we're discussing the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity. You know, there's a Father, the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it always seems like the Holy Spirit is like the, uh, the odd man out. He, he's always the one that's like off in the corner. People don't talk about him much. People don't uh, pray to him. He's, he's, he's kind of the, the odd child over there. And, you know, it's crazy. We think about it because sometimes people devalue the Holy Spirit so much that they don't even refer to the Holy Spirit as a he, even though he is a person of the Trinity. They, they say an it. It's a very dehumanizing thing. We, we picture the Holy Spirit as like this weird, impersonal force or tool that God the Father and Jesus Christ use, and, and that's not at all who the Holy Spirit is. But, you know, if you... Uh, read books or, or watch movies or even just listen to people discuss the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of really bad theology out there. And some of that bad theology is when people diminish the role of the Holy Spirit. But then also some of that bad theology comes from almost an overreaction or overcorrection where they go too far to the extreme and they start uh, attributing things and saying things about the Holy Spirit that the Bible never says. And that's where you get into, you know, weird mysticism stuff of like, here's this this extra sign and wonder, and, and this is what I can do. And, and it's like, that, that's nowhere in the Bible. You're, I don't know, you, you've strayed way too far. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I thought it would be really uh, great just to ground uh, our listeners into just a few key truths about the Holy Spirit, where if, if you don't remember anything else, um, you can just trust these few facts. It's like these are true statements about the Holy Spirit based on God's Word. And the first one, we're just going to kind of go back and forth, just like here's a fact about the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the first one I put in is that the Holy Spirit was always there. He was there from the very beginning. He's going to be there till the very end. He was not created. He doesn't have a beginning or an end. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. He was always there. Yes, that includes the Old Testament. Absolutely. And, you know, I always kind of chuckle when we, we try to, we try to uh, philosophically put the Holy Spirit somewhere in our brain. It's kind of yeah. like trying to understand eternity. We have no concept of eternity, yeah. mm-hmm. really, in our framework of, of thinking. We do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We want to make Him part of God. Here's the point. He was always there because the Holy Spirit is God. We're not talking about, when we talk about the Trinity, we're not talking about three parts of God or three separate characters of essence that make up God. Mm -hmm. We're talking about God. And mm-hmm. I think it's important as as we create our theological frameworks as, mm-hmm. as that shapes up over our faith journey, that we, we we not learn about the character of God from theology books, mm-hmm. from lists and bullet points, mm-hmm. but we learn God's character by reading through Scripture, the entirety yeah. of it, over and over and over, watching how God acts, watching how He speaks, watching how 
he reveals. One of the things that you quickly discover, mm-hmm. in fact, just right there in the, in the first chapter of Genesis, is that the Holy Spirit, God, Creator God, mm-hmm. is there and present. Why is He there? Because He's God. That's right. So the first kind of big foundational truth is the Holy Spirit um, was always there. He didn't show up halfway, and it was like an unexpected surprise guest. The Holy Spirit was always there. The second truth is that the Holy Spirit is God. Just like we say, Jesus is God, and God is Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and God is the Holy Spirit. He is a person of the Trinity. He is not lesser uh, than God the Father or Jesus the Son in any way, shape, or form. And here's the third kind of foundational truth, and that is the Holy Spirit is active. He is not some uh, impersonal force. He's not some uh, entity that's far off and that isn't really doing anything and is just waiting around. The Holy Spirit is active and he is working, and he's always been active and working. (laughs) And so, again, the Holy Spirit, he's always been there. He is God, and he is active. He is working. And we're going to use Scripture, uh, both individual verses and stories, to, to kind of really nail down these facts and give us a framework as we develop not the force or not the concept, but the person of the Holy Spirit. I, I think this is going to be amazing, just going Scripture by Scripture in yep. the Old Testament. So begin to unpack this for us, Jake. Yeah, so the first, uh, the first reference, actually, to the Holy Spirit and the proof that he was always there, proof he was at the very beginning, actually is in Genesis, uh, the creation story, Genesis 1-2. Uh, it says here, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right there at the very beginning... You don't have to search, and it's not like some hidden thing of you. It's in between two verses, and it's like implied. No, the second verse in the Bible is the Spirit of God was there hovering over the waters. It is just a a really um, quick proof of, yes, in this creation work, the Holy Spirit is active, and he is involved in creation because the Holy Spirit is God. He is a member of, of the Trinity. He is that person of God. Um, and not only is he active uh, in verse 2, but actually as you go throughout the creation story, uh, there's a very interesting phrase here uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, uh, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So, you know, we've read that uh, before, uh, many times, that basic creation story, he forms man out of dust, and then he breathed into him the breath of life. And people always will often ask, like, well, what is that breath of life? It's not just filling up your lungs with air, because it doesn't say air. Uh, it, it's not like just an electric shock that, like, starts your heart. So what is this breath of life? Well, I just want to point out that the word for breath is the same word translated elsewhere as spirit, that spirit of life. And, and the point is that even endowing with us uh, the identity of being people, of being uh, moral, living beings, there's this idea that the spirit of life, this breath of life, had to 
you know, start us, uh, get us from dust to this created being. So again, it's this illusion, this reference to the Spirit of God uh, doing work, not being inactive and far off, but right there, uh, filling up our lungs. And, and we see it throughout Scripture, uh, constant references to God filling people up with His Spirit, with this breath, um, and miraculous things happening. And right there at the beginning of the creation story, uh, creating man out of dust, breathing into us the breath or spirit of life. And that's how that's how Adam was created. And so, you know, again, I just want to nail down right there at the very beginning in, in creation, you see the Holy Spirit working. In fact, in the book of Job, Elihu mm-hmm. makes this comment, and he says, he says in, in, in Job 33, Verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Mm. Where does this idea come from? Well, it, it comes from Genesis chapter 2, as, as God breathed his Spirit into Adam. I think it's, it's really quite interesting there, because you see in Genesis 2 how God creates man. He takes mm-hmm. a handful of dust and forms his body, and then God breathes the breath of of life, so Holy Spirit makes Adam in this in this mm-hmm. picture, and 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 creates his soul, and it's 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 just mm-hmm. a a really neat if you if you if you dive down that rabbit hole, and 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 really begin thinking through how God made us, it it, it is. It, the bottom line is you cannot separate the Holy Spirit's active work as God yep. in creation. Not only the creation of the universe mm-hmm. and all that is on the earth, but the creation of God's image bearers. Mm-hmm. And you know, not only is the Holy Spirit involved in that creation work, but as we go further into the Bible story, again, he never backs off. He doesn't disappear. Uh, the Holy Spirit is always active in the work of God um, because He is God striving with humanity. And I say striving for a very specific reason. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, uh, it says here, uh, and the Lord said, so this is, again, just a few chapters out. Uh, this is right before the flood. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So this is God uh, really commissioning this idea that, you know, we're we're not going to live to be 900 years old or anything. Our days are going to be numbered. And the reason for that that he gives is that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is not going to strive with man forever. This idea that our sin and our iniquity is grieving the Holy Spirit, which is the the phrase that we see elsewhere in scripture so when we talk about like uh, being convicted of sin or um angering god uh with our sin this idea of like how does our morality uh affect god how does god react to it we need to understand that it's not that there's god the father sitting on a throne up high and like he's looking down and he's he's taking notes and like jesus is off in the corner waiting to be crucified and the holy spirit is in the other corner just you know floating around that's what we picture though because we're like hey it's the old testament it's god the father you know this judge who's doing everything and it's like no it's it's saying that man is grieving the holy spirit and god says that my 
my spirit will not strive with man forever. Um, the actual interaction between man and God uh, here in these verses, it's talking about the interaction between the Holy Spirit and, and mankind. So when we talk about being convicted of sin, we talk about being led by the Lord to do something. Uh, even in the Old Testament, it's always framed as this is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that's doing this interaction. Uh, so, you know, that, and the reason why I bring it up is because so many times we, um, people like uh, attempt to cut out the middleman. Like they, they try to get rid of the Holy Spirit and just go directly God the Father. And like, no, understand, this is how God is choosing to reveal to us um, how he's interacting with mankind. He didn't make a mistake when he said that my spirit will not strive with man forever. He was very specifically saying, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is the person of God at this time that is striving with mankind, that is being grieved uh, by our sin. And and we also see in John 16 uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in his role for convicting people of sin. So Again, it's not something that's just Old Testament. It's Old Testament, New Testament. This is just how the Holy Spirit works. He's always been active. He's always been around. He's a part of God. Um, he is God. Don't uh, don't put him in a box off to the side. Yeah, and it, it's really neat to see the Holy Spirit because he is God. He, he's he's personal and he's present mm-hmm. in creation. And then as we as we get ten generations from Adam to Noah, yeah. we, we see that he is present and active, and he is striving with man. He's very, very present and personal. But I have a, a little bit of a, a different take on what yeah. God is is doing here. Mm-hmm. I want to want to mention it because there, there are several views that are possible. But mm-hmm. I think as God looks on man in Genesis 6 and sees that, uh, that primarily two sins have rapidly spread and overtaken yep. the earth as the descendants of Seth begin to, to stray away from calling on the name of the Lord and they begin to intermarry and take whoever they want from Cain's descendants. Mm-hmm. You, you see that sexual immorality and, and violence just rapidly spread. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Yep. The, uh, men are, or mankind is, is, is no longer uh, depending on instruction from the Lord, paying attention to yep. promises that God has made or responding to God by faith by bringing blood sacrifices to him. And God says, here's the deal. You got 120 years left. Yep. There's there's a flood coming mm-hmm. in 120 years. And the reason I, I, I have that view is because even after the flood, you have people living for, yep. for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I just wanted to mention that. The, the point that you're making, though, yep. is that the Holy Spirit is active, present, and personal in Genesis 6 throughout yep. the world. And man's sin has grieved God to the point that God says, I, I, I'm not going to strive with man forever. Yep. There's, there's 120 years left. Yep. And, you know, yep. thanks, thanks be to the Lord and mm-hmm. a good thing for us that Noah <laughs> found favor with God. Yes. <laughs> Noah did not grieve the Spirit. Yes. Uh, well, you know, I think it's a it's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's a we're gonna explain that, dive into it a little bit, and then it's actually a great segue into kind of that next section, the Holy Spirit working. Well, you know, anytime anytime you need a segue, just yeah. just give me a call, man. Yeah, I'm I'm great at segues. Yeah, I've so, never ridden a segue. So uh, let's let's talk about the flood for a little bit and uh, the timeline for like, all right, how long was it? 
between when Noah first learned that it was going to be flood before it actually flooded. We, we don't really know. We, we don't really know the exact timeline of events. I love it when you ask unanswerable questions. Yeah, well, the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say. And so we're talking about grieving the, the Holy Spirit. Here's kind of my take on that because I also think that, that, is, uh, that that's true. That's part of what he was saying. And so if we take that to be true, if we take that to be like, well, this is a verse talking about it's 120 years before the flood happens, then we have to answer the question, well, how come people— uh, back in the Old Testament, uh, or early Old Testament, lived such long lives, and people nowadays don't. On the other hand, if you just take uh, it to mean, hey, it's this hard cut off, 120 years, that's it, then you have to explain, well, how come Noah lived longer than 120 years? And the answer to it is because, remember, the Holy Spirit is not this impersonal force, okay? He is a person and he's saying, I will not strive with man any longer because I won't strive with man. Like this is the result that the years will be limited to 120. So what we see is that when people are faithfully following God, like Noah, he lived longer. <laughs> you get past that 120-year mark just like uh, if we take it to be 120 years, man will be wiped out except for Noah and his family because, again, they weren't grieving the Holy Spirit. They found favor. And we see that same thing also uh, now as we like go longer and talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. If we view the Holy Spirit as this impersonal force, then that's where we try to get like these hard lines and rules. But if we remember he's a person, and as a person, as God, we have a relationship with him. And there are times when we can grieve the Spirit, and He's being forced to strive with us. And there are times that we can please the Spirit, and we can be walking in step with the Spirit. And when that happens, miraculous things follow. It shouldn't surprise us that walking with the Spirit, that not grieving the Spirit, produces miraculous things. And so, uh, again, this is just something where... Uh, because we've been kind of indoctrinated in this our whole life of this kind of um, weakened theology of the Holy Spirit, even when we get to a verse like, well, what does this mean? The second we start thinking that the Spirit of God striving is like this impersonal force and he's making a law and it's going to be absolute, it's like, well, no, remember, he's a person. To have the Spirit strive against you or to grieve the Spirit is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so... Anyway, uh, all that to say, we also see the opposite of striving with the Spirit or grieving the Spirit, being in conflict with the Spirit later on in Scripture where we actually see the Spirit uh, indwell uh, in people to a certain degree and then being able to do miraculous things because of it. We talked a lot about this uh, during uh, well, the last two era overviews that we've done, the Judges era and the Kingdom era, but here's just a quick list of certain judges, warriors, and prophets. Wait, wait, but before you get in that list, yeah. I, I want to I just clarify because I, I, think, I think when you say that, that Noah lived longer than 120 years, yeah. much longer, it, that, that it, it, it was a result of, of him walking with the Spirit. Um, just just want to clarify that. It, it, just the, the, the concept is, not that if you walk with the Spirit, you're guaranteed to live longer, because yes. that, that is not what you're saying. What you are saying is that, 
that 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 is possible. This kind of crazy long lifespan is possible yeah. because of the Spirit of the Lord sustaining yes. and working and and giving yes. that long I'm, life. I'm glad that you brought that up. I didn't mean to imply that, yeah. <laughs> that if someone passes away of old age, it's because they didn't love Jesus. <laughs> right. Right. No. No. It's yeah. it, it and and so just 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 to be clear that that mm-hmm. that we shouldn't look at the long lives before we can come up with all kinds of theories. I mean, yeah. you know, folks say, well, you know, it's the lasting effects on the DNA, the genetic code of the tree yeah. of life, and you know that before the flood there there was no rain, and so there's yeah, a canopy uh, protecting yeah, yeah. from UV rays. All kinds of... Look, bottom line, you, you said it. We don't know. Yeah. But what we do know, what we do know is that we we have to look at God's presence, mm-hmm. His His Spirit in and with people, and 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 we have to recognize that at, at the very core of reason... Those kinds of long lives are possible because every Paul says in in Acts seventeen, it, our our it, God holds our life and our breath, and He provides that yeah. in in His hands. So, the presence of the Holy Spirit makes miraculous things happen. Yeah. Well, you know, and and that also just goes to reaffirm kind of a third core truth that the Holy Spirit is active. He He's not. Impersonal, and because he's active, that means that uh, it's not that you can find a pattern for what he does, and it's like okay, that means that he's guaranteed to always act this way and do this thing because he is a person. And it's there's this concept that anyone who's been through any uh, theological training uh, knows, and there's big words to describe it. This is how I like to describe it: uh, some things in the Bible are descriptive, not prescriptive. And what that means is just because God did something at some point uh, in Scripture does not mean that he is always going to act that way uh, going on in the future. And I think one of the best examples is uh, Moses in the burning bush. God chooses to speak to Moses through a burning bush. That does not mean that when um, your pastor gets up in the pulpit on Sunday and is like, I, I got a word from God. He told me I need to preach this passage. That doesn't mean that he had a bonfire in his backyard and God spoke to him through the flames. That is a descriptive story. This is what happened. It's how God chose to reveal himself in that moment at that time. That doesn't mean it's prescriptive throughout uh, the rest of history where God only speaks through burning bushes. And it's the same thing with uh, the Holy Spirit of can the Holy Spirit supernaturally extend someone's life? Of course he can. Does that mean that he's going to do it? Well, no. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a good thing. I didn't mean to in- imply that. Sometimes uh, I will talk myself into a corner, and it will make perfect sense in my mind, and Joel will be thinking, uh, he, didn't, he didn't praise. Let me go back and try to... And try to make sure uh, that we don't get any weird comments. What on I'm this. trying to work out right now is why you haven't had a burning bush experience. What does I'll that mean? You, if because I, I, I mean, I, yeah. in all seriousness, yeah. the words, the words, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you ever utter them, uh, that that is an amazingly serious comment. Yep. And I've learned uh, through the years, rather than rather than claiming I have heard some special revelation from yep. the Lord that God's word says. Yeah. And 
I think it is it, it is very it's a very important point that all of the world religions and cults are built on a mystical experience where mm. someone says they have heard something from whatever higher yeah. power they are claiming. Now, God gave us his word and wrote it down and put his spirit in us to give us wisdom to understand what he has said about himself, how to observe. And I think we'll spend the rest of our lives chasing yeah. these things down. But the the fact that the Holy Spirit is is not personal and present only today. He was personal and present in yes. the Old Testament. And 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 not only that, he filled people up he in the Old Testament. He filled up certain judges, warriors, and prophets and gave them, at times, extraordinary power. We see this in Joshua, Othniel, Gideon, Samson, and actually Saul. Um, however, the Spirit later departed from Saul, which we talked about uh, last week, because of his disobedience. So uh, the Holy Spirit filled people up, and it allowed them to do miraculous things. I think one of the best examples was what we did uh, three or four weeks ago now when we did the Judges Era overview of Samson. When he was filled with the Spirit, he had supernatural strength. When the Spirit left him, he was as weak as any other man, uh, much to his surprise, actually, when he woke up <laughs> that morning. But when he repented, when he repented, the Holy Spirit came upon him again, and he was granted strength again. That's the worst day ever. The worst <laughs> day ever is, is, is you... You you're able to just rip a mouth's a, a lion's mouth yeah. open, and and the next day you like you can't even beat up a scrawny uh, philistine. Yeah. Right. And and the worst part of it is he didn't even know the Holy yeah. Spirit left him. Mm-mm. So that 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 does teach us a a little bit about the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. You know, sometimes we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in a, a very clear, manifest mm-hmm. way. Other times, we don't feel yeah. the Holy Spirit in a manifest way. Put a bookmark there, because we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Well, uh, And to even uh, dissect that back to um, just the Old Testament stories being filled with the Spirit, uh, it's not that they were in just a just to give a, a brief overview, we don't have time to dive into all these stories, but it's not that they were filled with the Spirit just because. They're always filled with the Spirit in order to accomplish some kind of task or objective that they needed the Spirit's help to do. It was things that they were unable to do or overcome by themselves. And Samson's a great example of that. Why did he not know the Holy Spirit had left him? Um, well, it's because he wasn't doing anything that required any kind of strength. But the second he got into a fight, <laughs> the, you know, a few seconds later, he immediately realized my my strength is gone because I'm now trying to rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not it's not there, and so I'm I'm failing in that. And we're going to see that come up again later. But I just want to say, you know, again, just to reinforce in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is filling people and allowing them through his power to do these miraculous things. He is active. He is personal. But we do want to be careful to say that the Holy Spirit filling up people in the Old Testament is not the same as how the Holy Spirit indwells 
in believers. And if that's not my opinion, we actually have specific verses uh, talking about how uh, this is a different kind of, of outpouring. Um, and we actually see this. Well, I'll give this reference. I'm going to throw it back to Joel because I know he has, a, he has a whole little thing talking about this uh, that, that I like. But I want to point out that there are several Old Testament prophets that talk about a special pouring, a special giving of the Holy Spirit that is definitionally going to be unlike anything that happens before. So if someone says that, hey, um, Saul or Samson or Othniel or Joshua had the Holy Spirit just like we do, no, according to God's word, they were filled with the Spirit, but it wasn't like we're filled with the Spirit. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a great jumping off place just to create a a scriptural framework for Mm -hmm. this difference. And, you know, as a context for this difference, what we're talking about is a a people who lived under an old covenant Mm -hmm. and people now who live under a new covenant. And God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. God was the same in the Old Testament. He acted and revealed and he spoke in in the same ways that he does now. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is our God. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit, who was with Samson, giving him these miraculous powers, Mm -hmm. is the Holy Spirit who indwells us, Mm -hmm. right? But there is... There is a, 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 a different framework for how God is acting mm-hmm. in the new covenant than the way God fulfilled the old covenant yep. in real time. So the first time, and I mentioned this in the Kingdom Era overview, mm-hmm. I have to mention it again. This is my opinion. The first time that God lets us know, He speaks future things to tell us mm-hmm. there will be a special new mm-hmm. outpouring of the Holy Spirit is in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Solomon gives us, this is a thousand years approximately before yep. Jesus mm-hmm. comes. Right, So wisdom is personified, and, and Solomon says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. Right, And so she's saying, How mm-hmm. long are the simple ones going to enjoy being some of the fools? Enjoy being fools. And, and so then he says in verse 23, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out mm-hmm. my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Yep. And so that's a thousand years. Well, mm-hmm. approximately, you know, six hundred years. You could say seven hundred years yep. before Christ. Isaiah, in chapter fifty-nine, verse twenty-one, mm-hmm. s- sees again this future day where God is going to do something new. There's yep. going to be a special outpouring of His new Spirit, and this time Isaiah sees this outpouring as a connection mm-hmm. to a new covenant. Yep. Right? So Isaiah says, and as for me, this is my covenant with them. This is uh, 59:21. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring 
or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, Hmm. from this time forth and forevermore. Jeremiah, fast forward a few few hundred years, Jeremiah in chapter 31, 31 through 34, says, Behold, the days are coming, sometime in the future, declares Mm -hmm. the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So he says, For this is the covenant I will make with them, with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Mm -hmm. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Mm -hmm. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and and, and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Hmm. Ezekiel, in chapter 36, beginning of verse 25, yep. also sees this day. Mm-hmm. Gives us another installment of detail. Yep. There's, there's going to be an, an outpouring of the Spirit, a mm-hmm. new way, a new covenant. Mm-hmm. And he says... I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. Mm-hmm. And from your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will yep. put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And yep. I will put my spirit within you mm-hmm. and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful how to obey my rules. Now, if you take a very just conservative flyby, mm-hmm. these, these, these verses, these passages give us from God a future speaking, a prophecy that yep. there's going to be a day. And Joel says that in, in chapter 2, verse 28, mm-hmm. it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Mm-hmm. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall see dreams, your young men shall see visions, even the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Mm-hmm. And I will show wonders in the heaven and the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mm-hmm. So there is a... A, a distinction. I love how you just said, it, this is not my opinion. <laughs> yes. This is actually what God's yeah, Word I mean. says. There, you know, it's, it's to say that, that what God is doing in the Old Testament mm-hmm. in, in fulfilling the Old Covenant, walking with His covenant people in the mm-hmm. Old Covenant, and what God is doing in the New Covenant are different. Yep. Um, th- that, is, that is not an opinion. Yep. That is God's own testimony about Himself. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, we yep. know this is the love of God. Mm-hmm. This is how good God is. He reveals who He is, His character. Mm-hmm. And part of what He reveals to us is that He is Spirit. Yep. And the Holy Spirit, God, Creator God, mm-hmm. is present in creation, nature and his image bearers. He's active in the world, not yeah. not only striving with sinners mm-hmm. and 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 those who are faith walkers, but he's also giving individuals who are called by God yeah. to do special things the ability to do those things yep. God has appointed them to do. Mm-hmm. Now, God wants us to understand the day that we are living in, His character. Mm-hmm. And, and in order for us to understand it, He allows us to be able to look back. 
maybe if I'm right, if my yep. opinion's right, and mm-hmm. Solomon was the first one to prophesy this outpouring, yep. a thousand years mm-hmm. before Jesus comes and establishes the new covenant, yep. God begins to tell his people, this is what I'm going to yep. do. That is incredibly reassuring to me. Mm-hmm. Because in today's day, when there's so much bad teaching about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. I'd, if I will just commit myself to know the Bible, mm-hmm. I don't have to flounder and speculate about who God is, yep. who the Holy Spirit is. Mm-hmm. He's told me. Yep. I, I'm on a roll here. I don't know if you're going to interrupt no, no, me at any point, because if you don't, I'm going to keep going and okay. land this plane. No, but, no. Okay, so let's let let's take a break. Before we move on to like what is the current role... Jake's like, let's take a break from Joel for a second. We're going to lose listeners. No, no. <laughs> Once you get going, it's, it's hard to stop. The, the thing is, sometimes when you go on a rant, uh, not rant, you're on a roll, um, like it's so much new information, I'm also trying to process in real time because I don't know what he's going to say. Uh, I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. And so I'm trying to... Trying to process, trying to follow—it's all—it's all great stuff. I do want to point out before we move on to you know the whole role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, like currently nowadays, to really just go back and reinforce a few other things from the Old Testament. One thing I want to point out is that one of the active roles that the Holy Spirit had in the Old Testament uh, was also in giving us prophecy and giving us. God's I'm so glad word. you're bringing that out. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and the Spirit played a prominent role in uh, the long span of Old Testament prophecy. David uh, declared, and this is 2 Samuel verse 23, or chapter 23, verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. So David directly attributes, listen, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, is telling me what to say, so this word is directly from the Lord. It's not my opinion. It's not my words. It's not a feeling I had, and I decided to share it with you. Like, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Likewise, Ezekiel reported that the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. The idea of the Holy Spirit is the one that is giving Ezekiel this prophecy. He actually entered Ezekiel, and that's Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 2. So I just want to point out right there that throughout this process, when it comes to uh, the Old Testament prophecies when it comes to making sure that God's Word is delivered uh, and received and preserved and that is it is without error. The Holy Spirit is actively working uh, in that. Uh, he is heavily involved in us receiving the truth about God. Well, and, and just to confirm that, yeah. in, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed, God right? Yes, so. uh, uh, which also is, is this cool reference all the way back to uh, the breath of life we got in the first creation story. Yeah. God-breathed, theonoustos. What does that mean? Well, remember, the breath of life. Breath is uh, another word, another way to think of spirit. And so, again, it, it's this heavily involved in that the Holy Spirit um, is involved in the Word of God. And just to make a, a, yeah. a quick wrap a bow around this whole part of the discussion, I think it is really cool when we say that God speaks future things. Yeah. We're, we're talking about how He reveals this new outpouring of the Holy Spirit connected to the new covenant, and it's actually the Spirit, Spirit. who is telling us these things yes. and revealing these things about 
himself, who was God. Boy, it gets really complicated. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, the, the Spirit. There are times where the Spirit is actively revealing future things about himself. Right. Um, and some of the people um, who are receiving this don't even understand that the Holy Spirit is talking about himself as he's referencing the, the Holy Spirit. But uh, it is amazing that throughout uh, the Old Testament prophecies too, especially when it comes to messianic prophecies, prophecies about Jesus, um, they're all really rooted in this Trinitarian theology, this idea that there's, there's God the Father, there's Jesus the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And I think a great passage that really illustrates the Spirit's role uh, in the coming of the Messiah in this Trinitarian uh, prophecy is Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5 is what it says. Uh, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. That's talking about it, Jesus being a descendant, right, from that same line of David, the Davidic king. And a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That is the Holy Spirit resting upon the Messiah. There's this Trinitarian idea that um, it's not that Jesus just came of his own power and the Holy Spirit wasn't involved in, in the cross, even though, like when we do the Christmas story, uh, the Holy Spirit's hardly ever mentioned, <laughs> which is really insane because when we look at, um, I believe it's in Luke's account, um, specifically, it even says, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived. The Holy Spirit is the person of God that got Jesus, uh, got Mary pregnant with Jesus. I don't know what else to got say. Got Jesus it's from the glory, glory of the throne room yes. of heaven to the womb. And, and so this idea is like, no, the Holy Spirit is active and involved, and you, you can't separate these things. And so, so many times, you know, when we look at these Old Testament prophecies, and it, it's like we're just, we're scouring for any mention of Jesus. And we'll say they're like, oh, that's talking about Jesus. And it's like, yes, it is. But notice the role of the Holy Spirit in that too. Yeah. Don't, don't neglect that. Don't remove that. Don't think that the Holy Spirit is, it's like the Holy Spirit was working with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was active in that ministry, just like the Holy Spirit is active now. Don't, don't picture Jesus um, and just remove him, uh, remove the Holy Spirit from that idea in your mind. It's not, it's not God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit's over there in the corner. It, they are all three active, working, and present. And so I, I just really wanted to point that out, that you know, even in Isaiah, there's this Trinitarian uh, there's Trinitarian prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, where the Holy Spirit is working to bring this about. So he's not only speaking future things about um, him being poured out upon people. He's not even speaking. He's not just only speaking future things about this covenant, about this new people, about giving them uh, new hearts, taking the hearts of stone, giving them hearts of flesh, uh, circumcising their hearts. He's not even talking about just that. He's also saying that the Messiah, who's going to bring this part. He is actively working to actually make that happen. He's uh, actively bringing this redemptive uh, history, this redemptive work, this plan uh, of God the Father's to fruition. It's not separated at all uh, whatsoever. And so when we have a low view of the Holy Spirit, we also end up having a low view 
of Jesus and a low view of God the Father because we're completely separating what's happening in the Old Testament with what's happening in the New Testament. So if you think that one day Jesus just appeared out of nowhere, um, that is not what the Bible states at all. This was the plan from the beginning. The Holy Spirit was acting throughout all of history to bring that plan to fruition as a person of the Trinity. Um, the truth is when Jesus was born, when the Messiah came, it should not have been a surprise. <laughs> yeah. It should not have been, but it was. And we see the Spirit's role in all these things continue once we get into the New Covenant. But a lot of people don't understand nowadays how to fit the role of the Holy Spirit into the life of the believer. Because for most, I'll say for, like for the average church goer, like, the, the little bit of theology uh, that we're taught is, is something similar to this. Well, there's, there's God the Father, and he's sitting on a throne, and, and he's going to judge everyone one day. But don't worry, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you get to go to heaven. And that's like the smallest amount of, like that's the most basic kind of theology we, we teach in churches, right? Um, and you will notice that the person of the, of the Holy Spirit is completely absent from that description at all. And so for the average person, well, what does the Holy Spirit do? And every once in a while, they'll be like, well, I mean, I think that he, I mean, I know that once you're saved, you get him. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like, uh, is you that at him. baptism you or is that after, it. I don't know, you, you get him. Or maybe, uh, you know, I think, and then he, he makes people want to get saved. He, can, he convicts, I think. And so then it's like, okay, but once you are saved, the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you like, what does that do? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I just I just hang out with him. Like, there's no theology, there's no truth. People don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our current lives. And because people don't understand it, there's it isn't seen as like a, a big need to go back in the Old Testament and learn about who the Holy Spirit is because who cares who the Holy Spirit is if he's not doing anything nowadays? And, and I think that that's... Um, a, a big flaw in the way we teach and go through theology. So I'm going to let Joel take over a little bit and dissect through he, the roles of the Holy Spirit, and then every time he messes up, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to correct him. <laughs> Thank you for that vote of confidence. But I love how you're emphasizing not uh, not reducing who the Holy Spirit is because a very, very, very epicenter of our sin problem is that we think wrongly about God. God's yep. character is important. Why? We're made in His image. If we don't understand who God is the way He reveals Himself, yep. then we cannot bear His image yep. properly because we sin against God in the way that we think about Him, the way that we, we, we speak about Him, and the way that we act toward Him. Same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually makes this point in Matthew 12. Yeah. He's Jesus is being accused of healing people and doing miracles yeah. by the power of Beelzebub. Yeah. And Jesus' response is, listen, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Jesus is, is like, man, all kinds of sins will be forgiven of man. This is Matthew 12. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 31, all kinds of sins and evil will be forgiven a man, but if they blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it yeah. will not be forgiven. Mm -hmm. This is Jesus elevating the Holy Spirit to the level that we will not 
reduce him. So yep. it's impossible. We don't have time to really do a deep dive into this concept yep. or this idea of the role of the Holy Spirit. Let's right. do a quick flyby, though. Before we get that flyby, I do just I just got to point this out. Um, I love that verse about grieving the Holy Spirit um, and it being like this unforgivable sin, right? So people are like, why is that an unforgivable sin? Why? That's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. If you reject the Holy Spirit, of course you, you can't be saved and reject the Holy Spirit. How much sense would it make if we're like, well, you can't be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ if you reject Jesus Christ? And it's like, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. Or you can't be saved by Jesus if you reject God the Father. And it's like, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. Well, then, of course, <laughs> you can't be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ if you reject the Holy Spirit because he is God. And so I just want to point that out real fast of even that verse that a lot of people find difficult, it's not difficult when you remind yourself the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person of the Trinity. Of course, if you reject Jesus, you can't be saved by Jesus. Of course, if you reject God the Father, you can't be saved. Of course, if you reject the Holy Spirit, you can't be saved. Yeah, and I think because of, of Bible illiteracy, we we do distinct things mm-hmm. In distorting who God the Father, God the Son, and God yep. the Holy Spirit are, we we want to make God the Father just this this loving granddad yep. who is there anytime we need him. So yep. genie in the bottle. If, as long as everything's good, man, you know yep. everything's. Second, I need something. God, why did you let this yep. happen to me? Why would a good God let's your, yep. or God please do this for me? With Jesus, we just we just want Jesus's death on the cross to give us eternal life. Yep. We don't want him to be Lord of our lives. We don't want to spend the rest of our lives learning yep. to obey him. Mm-hmm. But we just want to we just want to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. We're saved. We get to go to to, to yeah. heaven. Mm-hmm. Let's live life the the rest. Yeah. You know, it, Maybe we can go to church and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, minimal, m- minimal commitment yeah. to to serve Jesus as Lord. Holy Spirit, we we want the Holy Spirit to do cool things. We read yeah. in Acts how like thousands of people hear the gospel yeah. in their own language, and we're like, "Whoa, I want to do that!" Like, I want to heal people. Yeah. You're telling me the shadow of Peter healed people on mm-hmm. cots? Man, I want the and so so it's. It, it, we cannot, though, get the character of God wrong. Yep. Have to know God as Father rightly. Mm-hmm. We have to know God as Son rightly. Mm-hmm. And we have to know God as Holy Spirit rightly. Yes. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant? Mm-hmm. Well, I just read the passage in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. God says, in those days, the days when He's going to pour out His mm-hmm. new Spirit, the days yep. of the New Covenant, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. Paul says in Galatians, this isn't about bloodline, nationality. It's not about socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status. There's one in Christ. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Acts chapter Mm 1, Jesus says something very interesting, begins to teach us about Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. He says, look, you guys heard from me that, uh, that, that, that John baptized from water but you will be mm-hmm. baptized by the yep. Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to say, when the Holy Spirit comes mm-hmm. on you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Yes. What's going on here? First of all, we have to understand that the word baptized in Greek just means 
submerged. Mm-hmm. Literally, it, if you if you speak Greek and you hear this verse, you're not going to hear the word baptize. You're, you're going to hear the word in English, submerged, yep. right? So Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, John used water to submerge yep. you, but the Holy Spirit is going to submerge you. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about all these prophecies mm-hmm. that, that, that God has said, I'm going to pour yep. out my spirit all flesh. I'm going to remove your heart of stone, mm-hmm. replace your heart of flesh. So if you think, I like to think about an animated character in a bubble. You, you, you've seen yeah. those scenes that yeah, yeah. they're floating in the air, they can't yeah, get yeah. out of the bubble. What does it mean to be submerged in the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit? Think about this. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is going to submerge you. In mm-hmm. other words, you're in the yep. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from yep. the Holy Spirit, right? And when the Holy Spirit submerges you, mm-hmm. you're going to receive power. Yep. And this is similar to what God did in the Old Testament mm-hmm. when God wanted one of his servants to accomplish something specific. Yep. The Holy Spirit filled them, came over them, the language wasn't submerged, but it yeah, yeah. You know, filled them, came over them, and they they received power to do something. What yeah. do we receive power to do? To be the witnesses mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. So when he submerges us, when he mm. baptizes yeah. us, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit does several things. Mm-hmm. First, he seals us with the guarantee of our redemptive promise. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, mm-hmm. were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, Look, when you heard the gospel and believed it, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit sealed you. So like, you know, you've got a letter, yeah. an envelope that has a seal. You mm-hmm. know if that seal has been and broken, broken, right? And the Holy Spirit... First, who has been promised, mm-hmm. Paul says, is going to seal you. Yep. Now, why is he sealing us? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the purpose of him sealing us? Well, Paul tells the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is actually, we're going to be changed, mm-hmm. right? It's the Holy Spirit that's doing this changing. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In mm-hmm. Galatians, Paul says, chapter 5, 22, mm-hmm. but the fruit of the Spirit is yep. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and, he, and he goes on. The Holy Spirit uh, produces in us transformation, and yep. that transformation bears fruit, fruit, right? So the Holy Spirit also, in, in, in that process, begins teaching us how to obey Jesus. Yeah. And, and as he teaches us how to obey Jesus, he mm-hmm. bears out this fruit. And he is actually called our helper. Mm-hmm. Now, I love this because when God looked on Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone, yeah. I will make a helper. helper for him. What was Eve helping Adam do? Well, all of the, you know, the superficial things, tend the garden, keep yeah. it, multiply, fill the earth. Adam needed Eve in order to multiply and yeah. fill the earth. But 
But God had just give Adam, given Adam instruction. Mm-hmm. Do not eat from the tree in the center of the garden. Yep. If you do, you'll surely die. The day of you eat of it, you surely mm-hmm. will die. What did Adam need in order to obey God in all of his instructions to believe mm-hmm. his promises? Adam needed a helper. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out that a, a, a fellow image bearer, his wife, yep. did not help him in that specific instance. Instead, together they fell into sin. Mm -hmm. What is God doing in the new covenant? He is giving us a new helper, one who will not fail Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. He cannot fail. John chapter 14, Mm -hmm. uh, beginning in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you yep. forever. So uh, John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, from the Father, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said. So the Holy Spirit has submerged mm-hmm. us. He is transforming us. He is changing us. He is teaching us to obey Jesus. He is our helper, mm-hmm. and it is the Holy Spirit, God Himself, who is helping us and bearing fruit mm-hmm. in keeping with repentance. The Holy Spirit, though, is also, this is really cool, yep. going to partner with us mm-hmm. to bear witness about Jesus. So it, it, Jesus says it's better in John 16, mm-hmm. beginning in verse 7, it's better for Jesus to leave the yeah. earth and the Holy Spirit be present on the earth mm-hmm. until Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. And, and and Jesus says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, mm-hmm. righteousness, and judgment. Now, what is what is what do we see God doing mm-hmm. all through the book of Acts? We see the Holy Spirit breaking down barriers yep. for the gospel. We mm-hmm. also see the Holy Spirit giving the the believers, giving followers of Jesus yep. the church power in mm-hmm. order to be the witnesses and accomplish the yep. work that God is doing. Well, what, this is very important to understand about the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is convicting all people mm-hmm. concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And this word convict is actually it's, it's, it's conveying the, the, the meaning of rebuke. Mm-hmm. So it, here's what we understand about God. He's perfect in justice and perfect in mercy. Yep. Here's what Jesus is telling us about our helper. Jesus is giving us a guarantee that on the mm-hmm. day Jesus returns and judges all people according to their faith, no one will be thrown into hell unjustly. Yep. How do we know it? Because Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to rebuke the world. Yep. It's going to convict all people concerning mm-hmm. sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mm-hmm. Paul touches on this and when he says in Romans 1 that all people are without excuse. Yep. They, they can see the, the creation and understand yep. God's divine attributes. Uh, attributes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so how are we able to perceive? Well, a few things God has done. He's made us in His image so mm-hmm. that we can know Him and understand what He yep. has said about Himself. But actively and presently mm-hmm. and personally, like the yep. Spirit was in Genesis 6, mm-hmm. He is in the world now, and He is, he is rebuking mm-hmm. all people 
giving us understanding of everything yep. that, that we can see so that we know there's a God, yep. but if we reject Him, we refuse to acknowledge Him ab- right. as, as God. So it's important to understand that, that right now, if you, are a, if you have bowed the knee to Jesus, if you've repented of your sin and you have committed to spend the rest of your life to learn how to obey Jesus, the, the, the promise of God's word, and we are living in this day, mm-hmm where all who call on the name of the Lord yeah. will be saved. Mm-hmm. All who are saved, as, as Peter uh, uh, spoke in truth in Acts chapter 2, mm-hmm. all who are saved receive the promise of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Now, we're like Samson. Sometimes we don't feel him there. Sometimes mm-hmm. we may not believe that he's there, yep. but he is. Scripture tells us he has submerged mm-hmm. us. He is changing us Mm -hmm. and he is partnering with us and working actively so that we accomplish what god has told Mm -hmm. us to do and one last thing Mm -hmm. on the day Mm -hmm. as jesus pictured judgment as a a dragnet where many fish are caught and the bad are separated from the good the wheat and the tares where Mm -hmm. the 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 tear the wheat is sifted the tares are burned on the day, God looks on all people, mm-hmm. and He either sees the seal of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. or He doesn't. Yep. And everyone who has been sealed with the Holy Spirit is being has has been grafted into the household of God, adopted mm-hmm. children of the Father, and it is because of the Holy Spirit that God will be able to recognize we are his. Now that sounds a little weird to say because yeah. God knows our hearts and he knows who are his. I'm just saying the seal of the Holy Spirit plays a very important role because after all, even after we're saved, we still sin mm-hmm. against God. Yeah. What is the difference? The Holy Spirit has sealed me. Yeah. I am the Father's. So Jesus forgives my sin continually for the rest of my life, throws it as far as the east is from the west, and looks instead mm-hmm. on the Holy Spirit who has sealed me. Yep. So one last thing um, that we need to touch on, though, because I know that if they're listening, they're, they're, they've been wondering this the whole time. How do I get the Holy Spirit? <laughs> To let me do Amen. miracles. How do I get the Holy Spirit? No, I thought you were going something no. different, somewhere different. No, that's that. <laughs> no, that's what they're that's what they're asking. They're like, if the Holy Spirit does these things, how come? How come someone we, was uh, sick? They go to the church with it on hands. How come they remain sick? How come I can't speak in tongues? How I can come answer I this can't in five seconds. This. Well, I'm going to take a little bit longer okay. because okay. I, I think this is important, and the reason why is because if you try to find a book about the Holy Spirit. Or are you you just search online and try to figure out best book on the Holy Spirit? Mark this down. It's the Bible. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but there seems to be like this this theme going through them of like how do you unlock the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you use the power of the Holy Spirit? There's this idea that if you can somehow tap into the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to do these miraculous things. So I want to take just a little bit uh, to just point out that when we outline the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And, and you, I think you actually you specifically said it. The Holy Spirit um, 
all of his work is encompassed in trying to uh, help us be witnesses uh, to the gospel. That's his goal. That's what he is about. So uh, helping us understand Scripture is so we can be witnesses. Helping us to obey is so we can be witnesses. And when you look at the book of Acts, what you see is story after story of the Holy Spirit supernaturally breaking down barriers that the early church would face. But there are a lot of times in the book of Acts where you would expect a miracle to happen. You would expect the Holy Spirit to intervene and do something, but he doesn't. Uh, I think one of the clearest examples of this is like the stoning of Stephen, right? The first Christian martyr. Uh, says that they would receive power to be witnesses. Stephen is standing there witnessing two people about Jesus actively being stoned to death, and he is killed. And you're like, well, how come the Holy Spirit didn't intervene? How come the Holy Spirit didn't do anything? And the answer, as you read through the book of Acts, is, is pretty simple. If a supernatural miracle would help the gospel spread, the Holy Spirit would do it. If a supernatural miracle was not needed to help the gospel spread, like in the stoning of Stephen, the Holy Spirit doesn't intervene. The stoning of Stephen, the persecution of the early church, causes that church to scatter, and we get church plants all around the region. One of those church plants was Antioch, the sending church of Paul, who wrote many epistles in the New Testament. And I think that the problem that we have nowadays in understanding is when we forget that the role of the Holy Spirit is to help us be witnesses, we should not be surprised when we don't see the Holy Spirit working in our lives when we don't bother ever trying to witness. Yeah, and, and I want to I just make this point because sometimes we don't see the Holy Spirit work in our lives in the way that we want yep. Him to mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit did show up and do something amazing and miraculous in Stephen's story. Yeah. In in verse 10 of chapter 6 says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit right. with which he was speaking. So mm -hmm. so the Holy Spirit em, em, empowered, emboldened, mm -hmm. strengthened. Stephen received power yeah. and was a witness. And even as he's being crushed by these stones, through the power of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the, the Holy Spirit has changed him. The, there's fruit being born, and as he's being crushed by stones, Stephen utters, in essence, the same yeah. thing Jesus uttered on the cross: "Don't, Lord, mm -hmm. Lord, forgive them yeah. for what they are doing." Yeah. That that is only that that is only a guy who is being yeah. used by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and and who is being led by the Holy Spirit, and who is walking. In the spirit, yeah. and you know, and you said that uh, you know, oftentimes the Holy Spirit's working; it's just not in the way that we would want. And I would, I would certainly agree with that. Especially in Stephen's case, you know, our, our worldly self would assume, well, the Holy Spirit's going to supernaturally let him live. You know, same thing the disciples right. thought about Jesus. Right. You know, well, it, you know, God will intervene and make sure he's not crucified. Um, but I actually think that oftentimes um, it, it's not that the Holy Spirit is working in a way that we um, didn't anticipate or, or a way that we don't prefer in our lives. I think for a lot of people, um, they just don't see any work of the Holy Spirit at all. And I think the reason for that is because they are not witnessing. They're not doing anything. So if you want to hear stories of, of 
if you want to hear stories of real-world miracles, of real power, of supernatural things that can't be explained, of, of bold witnesses and speech, of changed hearts, go, go talk to a missionary who's actually been uh, on the field. Go talk to a pastor who's been witnessing uh, his or her whole life. You're, you're going to hear over and over um, stories of the Holy Spirit doing things. But if you have never really taken seriously uh, the the task given to you of the Great Commission to be witnesses. Don't be surprised when the Holy Spirit isn't intervening because it could be that you're like, man, how come the Holy Spirit isn't acting in my life? And the Holy Spirit's like, I've been trying to get you off that couch and to go <laughs> knock on doors every day for the last 20 years. Like, But that's, that's the idea. The Holy Spirit breaks down barriers to the gospel being spread. That's what he's focused on. That's what he's about. That's that is the uh, uh, accompanying work. The Holy Spirit isn't interested in us having big fancy houses or even living long lives. He is focused on us spreading the gospel. And if we take seriously that task of being witnesses to the ends of the earth, which, by the way, I believe starts um, with Bible literacy. If, if you want to be able to preach the gospel, you better know the gospel. The best way to know the gospel is to be reading God's Word. And as you read God's Word, the first work of the Holy Spirit in your life will be the Holy Spirit revealing God's Word to you so that you can be a witness to other people. Don't separate the person of the Holy Spirit uh, with uh, from His work. He's not an abstract force. He's not a power you can you can secretly tap into. The Holy Spirit is a person, and if you walk with Him and do not grieve Him, He will work in your life. Um, Absolutely. In uh, Ephesians six verse seventeen, Paul says that the the Bible, the Word of God, is the sword of the Spirit. That's right. And and he he wants to he he wants you to understand what he has revealed about himself and through yeah. the word exactly and right. so uh, this has been a really fun flyby yeah. holy spirit of course every everything that 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 we say about god needs to be measured and and said in a spirit of trembling yeah. and and fear and of course we're all on faith journeys mm-hmm. so you know what our word to you always said the story of the Bible works. Start reading the Bible. That's right. Plant yourself yep. in a discipleship process. And if you think that we are wrong about anything, we said uh, read the Bible through and then explain to us why we are wrong. Uh, like seriously, that's that's the best way. Iron sharpens iron um, because we could be mistaken in something, but man, after more read throughs than than I can count them. I feel like I know a lot more about the Holy Spirit than before I ever read through it. Uh, yeah, and 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 with the with the expectation of of learning more, understanding yeah. more intimately and more deeply the character of God. Yep. And 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 I think really too, this is another another point, and maybe we can close on this. The most important ability or skill or discipline that you can develop in Bible reading and Bible study is the ability to discern between what the Bible just doesn't reveal yep. and what the Bible explicitly reveals. Yep. Being able to discern what you are allowed to infer mm-hmm. from the text versus areas that God just hasn't made known. Yep. And uh, especially 
in, in constructing a view and an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, yeah. there, there's a lot of inference that happens. A, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of big picture yeah. inferences that that we make, because every description of the Holy Spirit is not explicitly written out in black and white in the Old yeah. Testament. But reading through Scripture year after year, over and over, over and over, remember. Primarily, he is your helper. Yep. And God wants you to know him. He's revealed himself. Yep. And so, Jake, and thank so, you for the amazing conversation. Yeah. It's always fun. I, I enjoyed it. And I do just want to add as you're reading through scripture, you need to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit to tell you. Holy Spirit, what did you mean by this? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Don't, That's a good point. Anytime you, you start thinking, what does this mean to me? What do I think this means? Man, you're not reading Scripture the way the Holy Spirit wants you to. We need, always need to be asking, because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, hey, guy who wrote this book, <laughs> please teach me what it means. Uh, the author of the book is the best person to explain to you what it means. Um, and with that, I, I just want to say again, you know, the story of the Bible works. Therefore, CBT, CBT talks. talks. See you next week. Oh,